You are listening to a podcast from Australia's best-known community radio station, 3RRR, 102.7 in Melbourne. Ah, well, well, well. How you doing out there, ladies and gentlemen? It's uh, Sunday Avo, here in a hot, hot kind of day. Um, We're back. Uh, welcome back to Eat It here on 3 Triple RFM. That's the station you're on in case you've just sort of blundered into us. My name is Cam Smith and across from me with his uh, interesting T-shirt that he has on <laughs> of, a, of another radio station. Yeah, well, look, we're all friends in the community media It is. Sector, it's, so uh, I'm, wearing I'm a, just checking out your peeps. Oh, it's, it's underground my, radio. That's a good T-shirt. You get, like, if you subscribe to peeps, sometimes you get a free T-shirt. Yeah. I'm not scared to wear free things. No way. No welcome way. back, Cam. Thank you very, very much. It's uh, it's good to be back, and welcome back to all you listeners. Um, what are you doing? Are you keeping cool? It's um, you probably there's probably a little bit of time to go to the beach. Although I don't know if I'm Ooh. into being sandblasted. Yeah, and also watch out when the change comes through. Because remember that really hot day a couple of weeks ago, and it was in the news because everyone was at the beach, and then the wind turned around and. Everyone scurried away because it's like being sandblasted when it changes direction. It was an apocalyptic change. It was stupidly hot. Um, I was on Burke Street. Yep. uh, Top of Burke Street. And the first thing that you noticed was, oh, wow, that wind's a little bit cool. That's kind of nice. But then it just gathered force like you wouldn't believe and then there was this dust and there's just all the dust coming from around the tram tracks and then it started to rain torrentially. And then it wasn't finished then, man. Mm. No, it was like, I shall now do hail. <laughs> it was like, hail. We, um, we've been talking a lot just off air. And also the, the, the scientists, we should say very much thank you to the scientists. Thank for you, scientists. Good hour. to see you back. Uh, and the weather was also at well, the top end. They get out of here quick, didn't they? They do, they're gone. Wow, they're gone. Uh, the weather also at the top end of their show. Yes. Um, because it's on everyone's minds. Because it's been the hottest January in the history of record keeping in this country. <sighs> Hottest um, temperature ever in Adelaide. Yes, and we're seeing obviously very hot day today in Melbourne, and, and and big ups to everyone at the Pride March there in St Kilda, sweating their way down. Sweating their way down. And uh, then up yeah. in the north, we see uh, what was the figure of half meter of rain. Half overnight, fifty centimeters. Yeah, that is. Oh, I'm going to say unheard of. I, I assume it is. Well, I don't know. Have you got? Have you, no, you, do you have a rain gauge on your balcony? You know what? I don't. But we really well, you don't. We really should invest. You should. Yeah. Such, you know, well, you know, you're a guy who likes to measure things and quantify <laughs> it, and and it's it, it's a good bloke thing to have that because it makes you feel like you're sort of going to go and check the rain gauge. Yeah, check it out. Uh, usually that goes to <laughs> I think it's about thirty. Yeah, right. So it's it's the size. It's, it's a big the size of a ruler. Thirty yeah. or fifty. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, so um, you would have filled one of them up a few times yeah. over. Um, all right, and Tasmania. Hewitt yes, on fire. Yes, uh, there's about twenty fires there. Um, a few fires in, in Victoria. Yeah. There's a few fires. Uh, stay safe. Um, sorry, stupid platitude. Um, but we and then a polar vortex. Some of the photos coming out of Chicago have been amazing, haven't they? Minus sixty degrees. Twenty three people died. That was a, a few days ago. We are living in interesting times, as the Chinese yes. curse goes. <laughs> it is, but. Um, uh, I don't know. Sorry about that, folks, to bring it down. But it, it, I think what has happened is that our society, the community, Australia, has reached some sort of a critical mass here where it's 
front of mind for mm. a lot of people. It's not something that can be just sort of explained away anymore. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, um, and again, I have this abiding image in my head of our Prime Minister waving a lump of coal in Parliament. Um, and it's almost akin to if you, you know, waving asbestos around now. What did you call him yesterday? Was it our, our, our goofiness in chief or whatever you call it? Oh, I forget what it was, but it probably wasn't flattering. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it wasn't flattering. Anyway, we 12, should... 12 we, we should, politics. shouldn't talk too much about politics here on a food show. What do we need to do? We need to just... Yes. Let's look back just a little bit because the summer is happening and has yes. happened and there has been all these wonderful people who have uh, filled in for the grid's shoes. Yes. Over the summer. And we need to say a very, very big thanks to Summerstock. Yes, who did the film show uh, late last year. Indeed. Um, and, when, and there was that awkward moment and, when we both turned up to do the same show, but we won't dwell on that. No, we won't do that. Won't um, and then also big ups to uh, Neil Morris, who obviously is the regular on Sundays here on Triple R, but Still also here. filled in uh, for us for the last couple of weeks. And you and I both heard... Um, the intro to his show is still here. That was on the 27th of January. Um, yes. After a very, very uh, contested and auspicious day. An increasingly the... contested day, I, w- I, would, I would say. And we're Indeed. not going to go into that. No, but... no, no we, we shouldn't. But I, I think what I'd like to say, um, Neil, is that uh, he did an especially poignant and enjoyable show. It was quite amazing. And... Dare I say it, it's actually worth um, seeking out and yes. listening to. Yes, Gen 27 Midday, if you want to jump on the website and have a listen. Yeah, that's uh, that's it. Um, now, what else? And now we're all back. It's back to normal. So uh, Sundays are back the way you know them. And we should also, speaking of Sundays and Saturdays, uh, it's been remarkable. Saturdays and Sundays. You mean especially uh, something to do with the morning of Saturdays yes. and Sundays? And it's been remarked on a couple of times today already because obviously we're all coming back and rubbing our eyes. But over the summer break, <laughs> our, sleep. our getting out of our pyjamas. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> Figuring out how to make the coffee again. Yeah. Um, no, our colleague here at Triple R, Tim Thorpe, was recognised well uh, as part of the... Uh, well, they are Australia Day honours, aren't they? Mm-hmm. Um, and so they however are. you may feel about the politic of that day or... It indeed, wasn't announced on Australia Day, which was something that gave him great relief, yes. he said. And we, we are speaking of... Uh, Tim Thorpe, uh, Tim Thorpe. Is now OAM, so congratulations to you. And he's, in his typically and, and quite genuinely humble... Style. I think he was a bit embarrassed about the fuss and said, uh, he was. "This is more for community radio in general. It's not really about me." But and that doesn't that lay uh, to it the, the very fact of why he has been on it. Yes, because of his selfless devotion. He's um, been doing that. He's been doing vital bits on. I think I read around thirty years. Just let that sink in. 6 a.m. Mm. every Saturday, Sunday, volunteer. Every Saturday, every Sunday. Mm-hmm. And he hangs around, my God, you know. Yes. The weekend office manager, I think. He is. He usually barges into our studio. He does. He does. Oh, sorry, guys. Flusters on in. But yeah. no, congratulations, Tim. Yep. Um, it's good to see uh, those things go to people who I think really do deserve them. Agreed. Agreed. Um, and... I thought maybe what we might do... Oh, we should um, say what's on. We're, we should <laughs> preview the show. We should preview the show, which is probably a good idea at uh, 12.10 here on 3RRFM. Uh, and it probably vindicates the fact that we're, we're just going to have um, a couple of segments. Uh, yeah. One, because we need to bring him back because... Uh, 
well, let's face it, he's one of the great fixtures of Eat It. His name is John. Mm-hmm. He's at the Queen Victoria Market. He's probably very, very hot now. And if you do want to go to the Vic Market, I would say get there fast because there's a lot of traders that are just going, nah. I wonder how the produce turns up in this heat. Are they, Not have they good. Got, have they got tips? Do they mist or I don't know? Uh, you don't really want soggy apples, they do. Uh, look, there were actually that's funny. You don't really see that much anymore. There was a time when people would be misting all the time mm. the produce. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To give that little, you know, little sort of sheen about it. Uh, but yeah, John's going to be leaving. He said about one o'clock. Yeah, right. The Chens next door. Yeah, who do fruit as well as veg. Um, Robbie, he's gone. <laughs> he said, I'm going at noon. He said, can you feel the heat through the roof? I'm just checking out the apparent temperature in, well, here in Brunswick East is 31.5, but it is on its way to 40 by the it is. looks of the graph. So, um, All right. yeah, okay. you well, get, it, get in and get out, people. I, th- I think so. Yeah, that's uh, that's probably the thing. So, anyway, we're going to have a chat to John mm-hmm. at the market. I got there early. Um, oh, also, if you've never seen what he actually looks like, mm-hmm. um, I posted a picture of him on the gram. On your increasingly popular Instagram page. Oh, it's in a relative. It's not really, you know. <laughs> no. Not there with Kanye. How many followers you got now? But stop it. I'm not, <laughs> not even, I'm not even attempting to bite on that, Matt. No, there's, there's a couple of people that checked it out. But um, if you want to check out John, uh, what he looks like, uh, to give a picture to the words that are uttered by him, mm. uh, Cam's myth, eat it, will get you there. Mm. Good. <coughs> Excuse me. Mm. Now, I have a book. Yes. There it is. There you go. It's pretty thick. It's, it's paperback. Inch and a half thick, I would inch say. Inch and a half thick, about Novel 450 time. pages, 452, um, by a very, very renowned um, food author, uh, reviewer mm. of some note. His name's John Newton. Do you remember a book called Wog Food a million years ago? No, you said I oh, think we it was did this before, mid- didn't mid-90s, we? and it was yeah, before mid-90s. my time on the show, yeah. Wow. Just close, because he was 96. Yeah, I was 97, I started. Yeah, right, Mr. Mr. 300 days. Um, Anyway, written lots and lots of books, reviewer. Um, He's done a really, really interesting sort of treatise on um, the history of uh, non-Indigenous eating, Mm. how we eat and ate in this country. Um, using a very, very clever metaphor, mm. uh, using before garlic and after garlic. And uh, the name of his book is called The Getting of Garlic. Yes. The Getting of Garlic. Australian food from, what's the subtitle? Australian food from bland to brilliant with recipes old and new. Right. It's a good looking book. It is. And you've read book. it. You've read those 450 pages. I've done it. Uh, lots of highlighter in there. So anyway, we're going to have a chat to John. So yes. if you're interested in food history... Mm. And it all, oh, the book also has a whole bunch of recipes in there. So one of the questions I want to ask him is, uh, what's your favorite recipes from that? Like try, mm-hmm. trying to pick your favorite children yep. that you have, uh, you have done there. Uh, now, was there anything else we want to do? Tracy Hutchison. Do we want to quickly oh, mention wanna, that? Okay. Why not? Yeah, let's why go not? back to politics. Why not? Well, well just, uh, well, why not? Politics <laughs> is our lives. So, anyway, if you haven't heard of Tracy Hutchison, she was our fearless leader. She was the program manager here at Triple R for yes. a number of years. Oh and yes. you might also have heard of her on the ABC as yes. a journo and host. I, and I was summoned to her office a couple of times after getting in trouble for a couple of things. I remember those summons. <laughs> yes. <laughs> he says laughing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah we can all laugh about it. Uh, but no, if you live in Flinders, you can vote for her at the upcoming federal election. Yes, and that would be an interesting thing, wouldn't it? Yes, the incumbent is Greg Hunt, yes. former environment minister. Former environment 
minister. Let's yes. just leave that hanging at that. So uh, 12.14 here on 3 Triple R. Mm. Um, another thing we have some... A thing that happened over the summer was some very, very sad news. Yes, Matt. that is true. Um, so we saw after a, uh, a bout with cancer, we uh, we saw the passing of Melbourne legend muso Chris Wilson. Mm-hmm. Um, it's funny, his passing actually affected me more than I would have expected. I never met the guy. I saw him play live many times, but never had the guts to go and say hello. Yes. But, um, yeah, it's interesting. I was, I was sort of reflecting around his passing about... You know, that seminal album of his, Live at the Continental. And yeah. I think that came out when I was in about year nine. So oh, that really? was, was the part of my life when I just, you know, I, I was moving on from listening to nonstop Led Zeppelin to actually discovering. <laughs> you mean there's other bands? <laughs> yeah, okay. That's pretty much, yes. that was a young me. Yes. Um, and, you know, I, I found that album almost like a gateway drug into the Melbourne music scene. Really? Um, and, you know, just, just an absolutely amazing album in its own right. Um, and of course, the rest of Chris's body of work was, was extraordinary. Um, so yeah, what a very very sad loss for the Melbourne music scene. I one of my um, jobs that I had was working mm. behind a bar for a while, mm. um, a place called the Cherry Tree Hotel in Balmain Street, and I was kind of blessed there because um, I had the best standing room—not the seats in the house, but the best standing room because sometimes that place could get so full. And on more than one occasion, Chris Wilson would play. And on more than one occasion, I would just be standing behind the bar with, I don't know why, but tears would just be coming down my face because it would start with a shiver on my arms, which would then go up the back of my neck. And it was just the the sweetness which could just turn to such incredible power. I think um, James Young's. I saw a James Young quote in the press after he passed away. He said it best. He said, "You know what a what a shy and gentle man off the stage, but an absolute volcano on the stage." Perfect. Which is a really good way of putting it. Perfect. Um, and I think it's hard to articulate, but I understand that emotion. If you've seen him, if you ever saw him play, mm. um, you would understand. It's an amazing presence. Yeah, you you missed Chris. So um, let's uh, let's have a, mm. a little bit of a listen as a. That's maybe a late tribute from us here on Eat It on 3 Triple RFM. Indeed, they are 12.21, actually 12.22, hmm. as I see the seconds counting and ticking and ticking. <laughs> uh, you are listening to 3 Triple RFM. Eat It is the name of the show. My name is Cam Smith. I'm Matt Stebman. Now, you went earlier today, Cameron, back down to the Queen Vic Market for the first time this year. Well, not probably not your first time. But down to the market. Yes. I went... It was hot. Uh, the birds were looking for uh, uh, for water to be drinking. Yes, and uh, the uh, the vendors were thinking about leaving. But we uh, did have a chat to uh, John at the market, and it went something like this: John, welcome back. Thank you. It's good to be back. Happy New Year to you and everyone else as well. What's happened to the thermostat? The thermostat's busted. Uh, I think it's definitely <laughs> broken. I think it's stuck on a hundred and. Whatever, Whatever old scale and probably, you know, about 40-ish already. Four score and too much temperature. i tell you what, you said you were only going to be going till about one o'clock. I hope so, but it's not going to happen. There's only a few people trickling through. I just spoke to Robbie next door. He said, oh, look, I'm noon, getting out of here. I can feel the heat already from the roof. Well, yeah, we're sweating from places we never thought we could sweat from before. (laughs) But um, that's life. What do you do? Oh, grin and bear it, I suppose, or adapt and overcome. I don't look. I don't know, but 
It's February. It's hard to believe that uh, the the month rolls so quickly, isn't it? It has rolled very quickly, and it's a very strange season. Normally, we get the four or five hot days in February in a row, but we've had a quite a few nasties in January, but we survived. Mm. And the strange thing about it is that I don't have any Australian asparagus today, but they are in a market. But the only thing is you'd be looking at paying 5 or $6 for a 200-gram bunch. So because of the heat, I didn't bother. So there's plenty of other things out there that you can get into. We've got new things like the gherkins have started locally. I had to grab those. I've, uh, just to give you a pinch of a little picture, uh, John's got his little area at the back where... Um, mostly I see them um, chopping pumpkins, wrapping up celery. It's just preparing stuff for the for the front, and it's got a lovely bit of hessian. And on there, um, I've sort of scattered around, and I've got a couple of things. One, gherkin. Secondly, I want to talk a little bit about this afterwards, capsicum, yes. and, of course, the beautiful tomatoes that Definitely. you have. Gherkins, um, a, a cucumber, knobbly, ugly-looking things. Yeah, they've got prickles on them, um and the plant's very prickly as well. They look ugly as sin, but when they're freshly picked off the plant, they're beautiful to eat raw, very refreshing. Less moisture than a Lebanese cucumber. Yeah, a little bit dry, aren't they? Which means that they are definitely worth pickling. And yeah. there are so many different ways to pickle them. You know, you can pick, pickle them the Jewish style where they put them in a jar um, with all the little seeds and... Um, stuff and turn the jar upside down and sit it in the sun for a couple of days start the fermentation process going mm-hmm. or you can um, put them in a jar, wash them properly as your first bit, put them in a jar boil your water and vinegar together put it into the jar. Yeah that's what I did last year, I was just pouring the uh, the hot pickling mixture over the top of it with uh, a bit of dill seed um, that was about it really Simple. Yeah, it's a, you can do a lot of things, but I reckon the simpler the better. Me too. Um, or you can boil the cucumbers and chop them up and make a, uh, like a, a cucumber paste and put it on your ham sandwich. But there are so many ways you can do them. Yeah. But the best way is if they're really, really fresh to eat them raw. Yes. Okay? Yeah. So that's one of the things. Um, and he's got some beautiful red capsicums here now. They look similar, but they're very different. We've got a smaller variety. Um, very thick flesh, very, very sweet. They come out of Mildura. Mm-hmm. And we've got a bigger one that's very big, uh, juicy, thick flesh, came out of South Australian glass houses. Now, this variety has got more sugar yep. than the Queensland varieties. The Queensland varieties might be shorter and prettier and, and that, but they are higher in acid. I find it a little bit harder to digest them sometimes. These sweeter ones I can always eat without a problem. Can I bring up something that, uh, for for a lot of people, a lot of people's parents and things like that, the first time they ever bought a blender, um, and one of the very first recipes they ever did when they got a blender was that soup from Andalusia. Some say it's a soup, some say it's sort of like a wet salad, gazpacho. Yes, definitely, and we got the good, right tomatoes for that day as well. For it. Yeah, definitely. How do, how do you make a gazpacho? Well, I, I'll be honest with you. I eat it. I don't make it. Mm. Um, I get the girls come. They want the best tomatoes, and they tell me they want the pretty looking ones. And I tell them to buy the big ugly ones from Doncaster because mm. they're nice, big, juicy, acid, sugar balance, and they make the best gazpacho. I've had arguments with many of them, but they come back and always say, thank you, you got it right for me. You arguing with people? Of course. Hey! Only a little hey. bit, only a little bit. Okay. Because, um, you know, we all know our food, but sometimes there are little tricks that you have to learn yeah. just to tweak, tweak things a little bit better. Uh, look, folks, obviously there's, um, there's lots of recipes online that you can do, but 
but basically it's tomatoes paired with the capsicum, um, lifted up with lots of garlic, added olive oil in there. Good olive oil. Good olive oil. Um, and what is it? Maybe a little bit of, I think, celery. Onion, obviously. Red onion, yes. Red, red onion you've got to have in there. Ice cubes. And everything should be as cold as possible, and away you go. And do you put parsley in that? Yeah, why not? Yeah, yeah, I would. That little bit of green might give it that kick as well. Yeah. So anyway, there's something to think of as it gets hot, and uh, there's all these different variations that you can do, folks. So if you've got a blender, um, put it into use today, and it's a great way to get your veggies. It's a good way to keep cool, and it's good to be something putting something cold in your mouth on this really hot day. Oh, that definitely. was the other thing I wanted to ask you. What do you do to eat, to keep cool? Well, we're common sewers, so we eat anything, anytime. A mm. um, couple of sad days ago, it was a little bit warmish, and um, Franco said to me, what do you want? I said, well, I don't know, I'm getting sick of the normal fare. Why don't you just cook some nice lentils? And oh. she cooked the lentils and put pasta in it, and Joseph came home and he cracked it big time. We don't eat soup on a hot day. Five minutes ago, he sold some lovely tomatoes to a lady who was going to make a lentil soup with him. Yes. So, you know, we, we don't have much rules. Sometimes if I'm really dog-tired, I'd like a little bit of salad and maybe a little bit of ham or even a beautiful steak beside it. But I'm quite happy even to have a plate of pasta on a hot night. So, really? Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, no rules? Okay. No so rules, really. It doesn't matter. And there's, there is that thing that maybe as you eat sort of hot food, it makes you sweat, which cools you down anyway. Yeah, well, see, I learned from my grandfather. My grandfather was the best one to light the oven and have a dirty big roast, big leg of lamb oh, and no, all no. of it. <laughs> he, he reveled in it, mate. He really Ooh, did. So I learned from him. That's too much. Yeah, well, you know, he was a short fella, but quite, yeah. you know, not overweight, but he was well built and strong and he Stocky. loved his food as well. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, like I said, no rules. All right, folks. Well, it, it's all out there. I'm reckoning a gazpacho, something like that. Um, me, I'm thinking something cold. But let's um, scout our eyes around the market at the moment. Bloody hell, there's a, there's a lot of stuff around, isn't there? Oh, there's an abundance of everything. And like I said, a lot of things that you wouldn't expect are still around. Yeah. Um, I've got the natural sultanas, which means that they're very, very small berries. They're not sprayed to make them bigger like a lot of the grapes. And we've got the old-style muscatels. They are a beautiful big blackberry, very juicy, very sweet, but they have a seed inside. Mm. Now, a lot of people say, oh, I don't like the seed. We should eat grapes with seed because it's a natural grape. Also, you should eat the seed because oil in a seed is anti-cancerous mm. and it's roughage as well. And the intensity of the sugar is unparalleled. The new varieties don't have that sugar. Okay. Um, you've been doing these, uh, is, those sultanas, they from the same growers that you've been going from yeah, for yeah, definitely. years and we, years? And we years. always try to deal with the same growers because yeah. we get to know them, we get to know how they work, yeah. we get to know what sort of chemicals they uh, do and don't do, and mm. we always try to deal with the ones that don't do much at all, as natural as possible. And grapes this time of year from the fridge or uh, sometimes even in the freezer, use those as ice blocks. Yeah, well, you know, they don't melt. In in the earlier days, uh, my best mate's sister was a nurse, so we'd we'd go to their parties and they'd be eating frozen grapes. Yeah. But uh, my grandmother taught me to eat frozen grapes or, or cold grapes and fresh ciabatta in the morning for breakfast. It's so refreshing, especially there on a hot go. day. Yeah. On a hot day, if you don't want to have lunch, mm. you have lunch, bread and grapes. Yeah. And you'd be surprised how satisfying it is. 
because you've got your sugar bang to keep you going for energy. Carbohydrates. Yeah, and you've got the coal to cool you down. Yeah. So there you go. Hey, there's a good one. All right, they're, they're, that's a good one, folks. Um, all right, so fruit is just abundant. Stone oh, fruit look, is going off. We've got the last off. of the Tassie cherries, apparently. Yep. 10 to $15 a kilo. Best we've seen for all, all season. Mm. Um, I haven't seen any white cherries yet. No, Mum said she saw them somewhere, but not like last year. Last year there was an abundance of them. And even the morenas, which is, um, uh, that means sour cherries, the sour white. Oh, the morello. No, that's no, different again. Different. There's sweet white and there's sour, sour white. white. And then there's and, sour, sour. Yeah, yeah. and, and um, last year we had a good mix because we stewed them up and had them with ice cream and they were gorgeous, but no, we haven't seen any. Um because I think a lot of the earlier crops weren't as good as they could have been, I think, especially in Victoria, because mm. there were a lot of small cherries around. But we still had a good feast. And yep. um, we've been lucky. Our Doncaster tomatoes got a lot of sun and some got sunburnt, yes. but they survived as well. So we got lovely tomatoes for everyone to have a cold salad for lunch. It's going to be interesting to see what the, these few days are going to do to the produce. Yeah, definitely. See, we tend to look after the produce. doesn't matter if we run a little bit faster and suffer, but, um, you know, we look after the stuff, and especially these beautiful tomatoes you've got here. Um, we didn't really talk much about them. Not yet. Cameron brought big out yellow. this big, beautiful yellow tomato. Um, it's like a rouge de marmalade, but it's yellow. Not many wrinkles on it or ridges, mm. but a very firm tomato. Not Joseph's, my son's favourite tomato because it's not as intense. He likes the intensity and the sugar. Yes. But still very pretty in a salad. Normally um, we mix it with the other ones. We've got another red one here. This is Rouge de Marmalade. Uh, again, not many ridges. The Rouge de Marmande have more ridges. Oh, gotcha. This yes. is a very fleshy, sweet, juicy tomato. What do you use that for? Uh, oh, chop it up, chuck it in a salad or cut a slab into a sandwich, man. Mm. This is the ideal tomato to cut a slab out because... It's softer skin, juicier, um, sweet, yep. colours right, textures right, not flowery. And there's there's a lot of flesh to it a uh, lot as of regard flesh. to the gel and the seeds yeah, yeah, that you get. Not too many and seeds, that's, and that's why it's awesome in it. Yeah, yeah. look at this little bugger here. There's a beautiful little sparrow there having a bath down there oh. in a puddle of water. Yeah, she knows how to get cooked. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Just uh, yeah, the, the, there's a few of them doing yeah. that today. Um, yeah, so we got our Doncaster tomatoes, which are a lot stronger and sharper. Mm. So people have really been hopping into them. Pick of the market. Pick of the market. Well, we sold out of beans. They were just so good. They were $10 hand-picked. Mm. The peas didn't survive the heat. They got frazzled. Um, so I'd have to say my pick is the beautiful grapes, beautiful tomatoes for a salad, and we got the mescaline mixed salad or the rocket to go beside it. Yep. People are still buying parsnips and potatoes and pumpkin and that for rice. So, um, you know, what do I say? Customers always right. Get out there, pick <laughs> the eyes out of it. Yeah. You know, one day you might eat hot, next day you feel too hot, you eat a little bit colder, and then we get back into the routines. You know, tonight we're going to, to the cousin's place because my aunt turned 93 yesterday. Hey. My dad very, very soon. Yes. And I believe we're copying, you know, pasta and roast this and... Grilled sausages and, you know... Oh, well, the change should stuff. be there, by, by the way, uh, I hope. I'll be there with a hunger, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds good. All right, I'm going to do one last thing, just my sort of pick of the market maybe to do, is uh, find yourself some white peaches. Make oh, yourself yeah. a, a sugar syrup with a bit of vanilla in it, 
Also, a little bit of cinnamon could be kind of nice, just to bring us a little bit south of the Mediterranean. Have them in the fridge. They're going to be cold and they're going to be good, and maybe it's a good excuse to get some ice cream to go with it. You know, talking about peaches, the oldies, they either get the white peaches with the pink face mm. or they get the clingstone peaches, they peel them, put them in a pitcher, mm. put the vino on top, mm. put it in the fridge, mm. and then bring it out and fill the pitcher with ice, and then you serve the wine, you drink the wine with your dinner, and at the end of the dinner you eat the peach. And then hasta la vista, mate. Hey, everyone. Siesta time. Everyone sleeps well. Yeah. All right, we're going to get out of here. Um, you get out of here early. I hope you have a great night tonight. Thank you, and I hope everyone else does too. Keep cool. And it's good to see you. Yeah, it is. All right, mate. Mm-mm. Peaches and wine, I like mm. that. Sounds kind of nice. Thank you, John, for the uh, the first market report of the year. Yes. Um, I hope you're enjoying the show. You are listening to 3 RFM. Edith is the name of the show. It's a joy to be back. Lordy, lordy. Um, we're going to get into the meat of the uh, the issue Yes, in a sec. You, keep, you keep thumping that book. Oh, why not? I like <laughs> thumping books because it uh, shows the uh, the vibrations through this desk. Yes, we're going to be talking to John Newton about his book, The Getting of Garlic. But we thought <sighs> maybe we might put a, another little music track on. Yes. Uh, a bit of Stephen Cummings. Yes. Yes, it is. And uh, it asks a question. It's relevant in this context. I think. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Matt agrees. You know, I always think that if you've got a good question, you should just keep asking it. <laughs> and ask it. Yes. And ask it. And ask it. Stephen Cummings. Stephen Cummings there. The cover. Yeah. Shane O'Mara on uh, guitar there. And I said to you, uh, I thought it was Brimful of Asher when it first started. Yes. Same chord progression. And I said, but well, no. uh, they got a decade or so on that. Yeah. Uh, let's go to Sydney. Yes. Uh, I think it's always a, a great idea. We uh, we fly over the Great Dividing Range and uh, we circle over the harbour and go, my God, it's pretty. It's really nice. Uh, I bet you there's some good restaurants there and I bet you there's some people who know what they're talking about when it comes to food. And we've got one here. His name is John Newton. John Newton, a very, very good afternoon to you. Good afternoon to you from sunny Sydney. Steak and kidney, how's it going? Steak and kidney. Steak yeah. and kidney, The Emerald mate. City, the Emerald yeah. City. Yeah, yes. Um, what are you doing? You said you're working on something, you're, you're writing, you're sitting in the, in a garret or something like that, looking out across no, the harbour as the... I'm, I'm in Glebe, which is oh, just that's all right. Western side of the harbour. Good, uh, quite good close suburb. to the city, and I'm just, I'm working on, uh, I'm working on a book, but I'm not going to tell you about it yet. Really? All right. <laughs> keep, you're going to keep us in suspenders. Now, you're a, a, a writer of some renown, um, and you decided to do a book using a very, very um, sneaky and, and great like metaphor. You found a metaphor as a vehicle for a whole history of uh, European eating, non-Indigenous eating in this country, yeah? That's right, non-Indigenous. Non the last book, my last book was called uh, uh, The Oldest Foods on Earth, which mm -hmm. was indeed about and about what, what was eaten here before we came and, and how we uh, made uh, terrible mistakes by taking the Indigenous people off their diet and, and causing them all sorts of health problems until very much later we discovered these foods ourselves. But this book is about what yeah. 
all the non-indigenous people, every one of them, um, who aren't who aren't who aren't from here but came here, eat in, uh, mostly the Anglo-Celtic, Anglo-Saxon mob. And and there is a, a very interesting thing that you, as I say, the the book is actually called. I'm holding it up here. It's called The Getting of Garlic, and it's published I by. Can see it. Yeah, it's good. Looks good. Looks good, eh? As I as I hold it up, um, and uh, New South Press. That's the uh, New South. Yep, University, University of New South Wales. And um, and so this took a, a while. Is this something that has been sort of on the burner for a while, or burning in your imagination to get out for quite a long time? What was the genesis well, you know, of this it thing? Has. It, 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 this this sort of. I, I guess the whole thing starts... I mean, all, everything starts when you sort of... I mean, I'm a, I'm a food writer. I have been reviewing restaurants and writing about food and then farming and then all sorts of things. And at a certain point, it dawned on me that there was one thing we didn't have in Australia. Recipes. Yes. We didn't have any dishes that really said we are Australian. And I'm not the only one who's thought this, of course. Barbara mm. Sandage um, says the same thing, and many people have recognised this, but every time you mention it in public, you get assailed with things like Vegemite, yes, well, that's an industrial product. Yes, The Lamington, a... the Lamington, mm, yes, it's a little cake that maybe. may or may not have come from Queensland. Yes. The Pavlova, no, no, that came from New Zealand, etc., etc., etc. Yeah, Chico so Roll. we were, the Chico Roll, which which we talked about before, which yes. is basically a, a spring roll on steroids. <laughs> and um, and with, with cabbage. <laughs> with cabbage. Yes, lots of cabbage. <laughs> <laughs> but it's just, it's just, it was just struck me as very curious, and that led to me thinking quite a lot about this, and it led me to actually this book and the one before came from a doctoral thesis I did. So I, I, I took them out of the thesis and I made them much more readable, and uh, had got two books out of it, which is very rare. Well, I've got to say that uh, John, um, upon reading the book, I tend to uh, agree with you. I think this is a, a great read. Um, and it's a great sort of spanning of the the history of this nation. And mm-hmm. uh, yeah, the food is food is an interesting way of looking at history. Well, yeah, well, it it is. I mean, you know, we we get back to that whole thing of there was a, a French guy that said, "Show me what you eat, and I'll tell you who you are." And more or less, more, more or less, less I'm yeah. paraphrasing. Yeah. Oh, okay. You've, I've, you've got. I've it. got the exact one, but it's. Uh Tell me what you eat, what? and I'll tell you what you are. Oh, what and what? <laughs> what and what? It's yeah, a what, it's a what it's and a... what. And but <laughs> but, but it, it is it is quite true. But uh, I think maybe for the we've got a bit of time to maybe sort of tease some of these things out. So um, the first uh, settlement happened obviously in 1788, which is obviously a very contentious thing, which we're sort of labouring with as a society. Um, but. The one of the interesting things that I hadn't really considered is the fact that um, um, the a lot of these convicts that had um, these non-indigenous people had, well, they were sort of dispossessed twice, right, yeah. not mm. once, mm. but twice. And um, maybe as a thing to start off with is uh, to say about how. Um, in the, uh, where are we? We're in the 18th century, that there was a great dispossession of people from the land into the cities. That's right. There was the, there was the, what they call, well, there were two things that were going on. First, and this is something, of course, that, uh, the, the Michael Simons, another um, food historian noted, we were started on the same time as the Industrial Revolution started. So that was, that was one of the things that forced people off the land in, in uh, Great Britain and Ireland. Yeah. The other thing, of course, was the land enclosures, where, the enclosures. Where the, the, 
yes. the enclosures where where the, the the very rich took away all the allotments from from these people, where they used to have their little lots and grow their veggies and graze their pigs, and they were taken away from them um, because there was in in addition to a an industrial revolution, there was an agricultural revolution, um, and. And there was a machine started by the wonderful Jethro Tull. Jethro Tull. Uh, which so he, he existed. So for he did. Well, yeah, Matt's looking at me going, yeah, I know yeah. that's true. Yeah. True. <laughs> Tick. Yeah. He, he invented the horse-drawn seed drill, which was much better used in larger properties. So all the people with little properties were told to, if I may say so, bugger off. Bugger off. You know, yes. get back into their box. Yep. And the, the, the wealthy, as is often the case, took over the land and... Uh, so uh, the the the, uh, the poor the poor people of, of Great Britain and Ireland were twice were twice dispossessed, and, and then many of the poorest of them were sent out here to get rid of them. Yeah, and um, and here you go, as you put it so well. The uh, the mainly unwilling non-indigenous inhabitants often had no means of cooking, nor indeed mm. money to buy food to cook, as they were for mm. the most part illiterate and had been plucked mm. from their village culture, deprived of their crops and livestocks, they had no way of preserving the recipes they and their families had used for generations. So we, mm. these people that came to this country at the very start, there certainly wasn't a peasant culture, and there wasn't, even if they could preserve recipes that you know, they did, there was, there was absolutely no way. Well, there was, they, brought, they bought what we call... Anglo-Saxon food with them, and it was probably more the the the, the, um, uh, the, you know, the, the soldiers who brought the, the, the notions of the roast beef of old England, the notion of the roast turkey, the, the Christmas pudding, these mm. things which were traditions yes. of English food. They arrived, and we stuck to them stubbornly for you know two hundred odd years. That that was the extraordinary thing. Most most America. Uh, you know, they 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 arrived with their own food, uh, but they they adapted and, and 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 developed many many things that were purely American, not least yeah. all the hamburger and the hot dog. Yeah, but yeah, and you think about uh, you look around. Like uh, I've got this great old book by James Beard, God bless his soul, um, mm. and he talks about all the different regions of America, and there is such mm. variation, and there is so many recipes That's and. Right. So why did the Americans go that way while we refused to or just had no interest in doing it? There's some, there's, there's some lovely quotes about that. There's one I'm going to find for you here, which comes from actually, uh, it comes from a, a, a guy called, well, it comes from Philip Musket's book, The, the Art of Living Australia. Well, he says, it must be remembered that Australia has been peopled chiefly by Anglo-Saxon race. Yes. Uh, in such a stock, the traditional tendencies are almost ineradicable. Mm. Um, blah, 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 blah. Um, the Anglo-Saxon thinks there's only one way of living in every part of the world, no matter whether the climate be right. tropical, semi-tropical, or frigid. Yes. Yes. Those in the old country live in a certain manner, and all the rest of the globe have every right to follow their example. And, of course, those people who came out here first in 1798 were Georgians, and Georgians believed themselves to be the, the, the most important people of the, on Earth. Yes. They, they were chosen. They were the chosen people. Yes. A, so, a part of one of the, the biggest empires the world had ever seen. Yeah. Oh, yeah. At, yeah. At so we imposed everything. We imposed, we bought our own food, and we imposed a totally and totally irresponsible and ridiculous system of agriculture which, if you have a look at what's going on in Murray-Darling now, 
we're reaping that we're reaping the we're reaping what we sown. Yes, yes, we certainly are. Look, it's uh, it's twelve fifty here on three triple FM. Um, Matt's doing the break with the hands thing, which yeah. means we'll be back after this. Stand by, John. Triple R is where you are. I'm speaking to John Newton regarding his book, The Getting of Garlic, and we were talking about, uh, well, being in Australia, but certainly looking back at the old country when it came to food. But one of the other problems with um, uh, the early settlers and, uh, well, the lack of interest in the really the diet was the fact that, A, we, went, uh, we ate to fill our bellies and we sent most of the very best away. We did. We exported. We, 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 from the very beginning, we were industrial farmers. And and I think the other thing to take note of is that it was a very it was, you know, let's let's give them their due. It was a very tough country to live in. They'd come mm. out here. Um, they uh, we've discovered more and more that they have to do a lot of uh, unpleasant things to the indigenous people here. They had to carve out their farms. They didn't have much time to think about food. It, it, it was no, just fuel. Not. Yes. Um, there were not very few women, um, and those that, that were there were probably, uh, you know, cooks cooking for cooking for the for the farmers, and they they'd throw a little bit of you know mutton on the or, or beef on the on the fire and cook that, and maybe make a scone or two for after to to impose their own femininity. So it was a, it was a it was a tough place. It was a tough place to be, and it was a tough at first. It was a very tough place to live. Mm. Yeah, it's for both men and women. And and the funny thing is, this even got carried through to um, to the eighties when I was. Uh, I, I recall that, uh, for instance, tiger prawns. You never even saw those things mm. because mm. Uh, they just got sent over to, um, as we talked about a while ago, to the people that would pay uh, pay the money. Pay the extra money. That's right. But yeah. No, we, we we this 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 food culture was very was very much about you know. Uh, I, I can remember doing a review of a truck stop years ago, and yeah. it was the it voted the best truck stop in Australia. I forget where it was, but I went there and ate. Mm. And I said, "What's so good about the food here?" And they said, "Well, there's a bloody lot of it. Yeah, there's heaps of it, mate. The steak falls over the edge of the plate. That, yeah, and that was sort of the <laughs> scene as being quality awesome. Quality is replaced by quality. Yeah, yeah, that's like, oh, mate, awesome. Hey, I remember that used to be the sort of thing about they'd talk about schnitzels. Oh, the schnitzels yeah. are huge, you know. Um, but I, I seem to remember my my mum used to say, "Never eat anything bigger than your head." Um, <laughs> actually, she never said that. Life. Yeah, but it's 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 not a bad one, really. Um, but you know, so we've we've got this predominantly Anglo um, Anglo centric culture that persists, which looks, f- you know, towards uh, towards the the old country. And uh, garlic is is shooed, and I think uh, we were talking about uh, who was the author of the first cookbook in Australia? Abbott? Edward Abbott, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah, the 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 English and Australian cookery book. The English and Australian cookery book by okay. Abbott, and and there's this uh, this thing about how Abbott goes to France, and it's almost like oh, they're doing the the extreme yeah. eating. Do you want to sort of take the ball and run with that a bit? Well, he, he went off to, uh, he, he, he tells the story of going to France and, and uh, to eat a, uh, what was it now? It was a gigot. Gigot de Agneau. Gigot de Agneau. With, with, anyway, it was a, it was a leg of lamb with, uh, oh, I call. 
yeah. it appeared to us, though it was appeared to us, a gigo alayel, that's right, a gigo yeah, alayel, yeah. A, 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 a league of lamb with garlic. Yeah. And when he went with his friends, they all went there. It was, as you said, it was like one of those adventure uh, things that people go and eat. No, it's like they're, know, they're talking about eating monkey kingdom. brains or something like that's that. That's right. Yeah. So they all sat around and, and the, the dish came out and they said, this is not garlic, this is haricot beans. Yeah. So they called the chef out and the chef said, oh, no, it's garlic, all right. You just got to cook it five different times, yeah, and, uh, and to, to make sure it gets rid of its flavour. Well, they, they uh, and, and funnily enough, in Abbott's book, there is there is quite a good mention of garlic. Uh, from uh, there's a quote from a, uh, a strange person who says uh, Sir William Temple, yes. who talks about the importance of garlic in health. Uh, and long life, but then there's no garlic in any of the recipes in the book. Not a bit of it. And and maybe so the fact a strange relationship, aliemophobia, I think. Aliemophobia, as you sort of mentioned, yeah. and and maybe mm. part of that is from the very very beginning of the book um, comes from the fact that the English had been at war with those. Uh, uh, you know, the surrender monkeys, those French down the south for uh, <laughs> you know about a hundred years, and and that might have been the thing that informed that, but. Slowly, slowly, slowly it changed and um, it reached this sort of, the pendulum started to really, really swing in the favour of this little much maligned root, this bulb, in the 1970s and, um, oh God, it's 12.57. What can you say brought about that change? I think it was the, it was the arrival of, of, uh, of those people that... Uh that brought with them their own food as well as, as the first settlers. All the English, all the Italians and the French and the, the Middle Easterns who all came here after the war, uh, mainly Italians. Mm. And uh, they brought their own food with them and they brought garlic and, and, and we we sort of didn't like it at first. Uh, we, we were a bit worried about it and we told Suspicious. them to not cook with it because it was smelly. Yes. And then the next thing that happened, the next important thing that happened, I reckon, was the arrival of the jumbo jet. Yeah. And that coincided with a very large amount of disposable income in Australia for the first time since the war. So we all, millions of us, left the country, went to uh, where Luigi and Costa uh, came from, mm. ate their food, drank their wine, and came back and thought, this is a bit of all right. Yeah. So that was basically, I think, it was more the fact that we went out and came back uh, that, that changed the way. And then we, and then we became extraordinarily eclectic in our area and we, and we developed into what Anthony Coronas calls a multi-culinary society or as you put it what sort of cuisine mongrel cuisine yes and uh, as I don't you, know about you Cam but I'm a mongrel oh, I'm a mongrel too and uh, I think we share a little <laughs> bit of uh, ancestry because uh, I'm uh, what is it Irish Scottish Canadian and Russian and yeah, uh, well, I, yeah. as you put, Australian food is a love song to our mongrel selves. Flavors, ingredients, right. and origins leaking into one another, and uh, we yeah. uh, and I think we can celebrate that so much. Um, it's an awesome book. There's some great recipes. So, very, very quickly, in ten seconds, a favorite recipe from the book. Have you got a favourite favor recipe from yeah, the book? Yeah, oh, have you got... Good Lord. Probably oh. Steak Diane, funnily enough. Wow. <laughs> Old school, but still okay. Old school, but but, but it's really easy to cook and, and, and wonderful flavours. I cooked it on TV just a while ago, and I haven't cooked on TV for a while, but 
it, it, it turned out all right. Well, I'll tell you what, are we going to give away a copy of that book next week so you get a second bite of the cherry? Uh, it's been a joy to chat with you. Uh, we need to talk again regarding things. Thank you, Cam. Love to talk to you again. I've enjoyed the conversation. Uh, John Newton, The Getting of Garlic. Uh, it's available at all good bookstores. Have a read of it. Thanks, John. Thanks, Cam. One o'clock, it's, uh, we need to go um, because we uh, need to go to our next studio. Yes, Neil's up next. We're still here. Um, and we're oddly organised. We know what's on next week. What's on next week? Oh, we do. We've got uh, Penny Francis, who's actually going to be talking more about garlic cultivars and yes. how to use garlic. Yes. Uh, we've got Duncan Buchanan, who's coming on, and Nick Maluk, who's uh, going to be talking to us about cooking that most delicate of proteins, fish. Yes. Thank you for listening. Stay tuned. You've been listening to a podcast from Australia's best-known community radio station, 3RRR, 102.7 in Melbourne. For more podcasts, information about upcoming events and our live stream, please visit our website at rrr.org.au.